Grace and forgiveness becomes a new lifestyle for God's children. So forgiveness is not something we just enjoy, that we receive from God and enjoy and feel confident in. It is meant to be a lifestyle for us. And I believe that it's God's will that we grow in our ability to forgive others, just as God has forgiven us. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. And I want to start with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read uh, your word today, help us to ask ourselves, what lesson is there for us to learn from this message? We're talking about forgiving others. And uh, Father, search our hearts and find if there's anything that we hold against someone else. Are there any people that we have not forgiven? Are there any grudges that we're still holding? And Father, help us to deal with those things. We know that by your power, it can be dealt with. And we want to be more like you, God. We know you're very forgiving, and you have set an example for us to follow. So we ask your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when you forgive someone, you, in a sense, set them free. Not only do you set them free, but you set yourself free when you forgive someone else. Now, one thing about living on this earth, you know, God created us to be like him, to be relational. You know, God is relational. He exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they've dwelt in relation for all time, for all eternity. And he has called us to be the same way. We certainly, living in this world, have plenty of opportunities for relationships, don't we? It's all about relationships. That's what this, this life is that God has called us to. And in our relationships, there's always opportunities for things to be done wrong, things to be said wrong, to hurt people or to be hurt by other people. It's just a part of living in this fallen world, isn't it? You know, it's a blessing and a curse to have friends, to have relatives, to have people we work with. But there's always that chance, and it's happened in all of our lives many, many times, that we do, do or say the wrong thing, or somebody does or says the wrong thing to us, and there's hurt involved. And we, as Christians, have been called to learn to deal with that the right way. Here's a man who did not deal with it the right way, and uh, we read the story in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. Jesus is teaching a lesson here about forgiving others. Once you have been forgiven by God in this vast way of all your sins, past, present, and future, he calls on you now to forgive others. It says in verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter came out of kind of a legalistic background. And, uh, you know, there were limits as to how far your mercy should go. But Jesus corrects him here that we're to forgive others much more than seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And it's a figure of speech meaning without number, an unlimited number of times we should be forgiving people. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, he goes on to tell a parable. The kingdom of heaven 
is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So he gathered them all together to find out if he owed anybody anything or if they owed him. Verse 24, as he began to the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, we're not familiar with this type of currency. 10,000 talents is an amount, my uh, Bible help said, it combines the largest Greek numeral at that time with the largest unit of currency. So a talent was the highest form of, of currency or the highest number at that time, 10,000. 10,000 times talents, <laughs> it was a great number. Even one talent was a small fortune. 10,000 talents was beyond the wildest dreams of ordinary people. They couldn't imagine how much money that was. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. So he was sold into slavery with his family and they would spend the rest of their lives working to somehow make a little dent in the amount of money that they owed. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now as we read through this, understand that the master is God. The servant is us, okay? When it talks about the great debt that he owed, it's talking about all of our sins that we've committed, past, present, and future. So we come before God and we beg for mercy, and God, who is a merciful God, grants us mercy. He forgives our sins. Verse 28, but when that servant, the one who had just been forgiven, that tremendous debt that he owed, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now a denarii is a day's wages. So he owed a, a much smaller amount. A hundred days wages is what he owed. It's not a pittance, but compared to the other amount of 10,000 talents, it comes to one six hundred thousandths of the first amount. <laughs> so what this man owed is one six hundred thousandths less than what the servant was just forgiven for. But he grabbed this man who owed him a lesser amount and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. So his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back, just as he asked of the master. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant back in you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers 
to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father, Jesus said, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. So God looks at forgiveness very seriously. You know, he has forgiven all of our sins. In fact, Jesus' death on the cross was so vast, the effects of it, that he has actually paid the penalty for the sins of the whole world. Now it's up to them to hear the gospel and to come to the realization of what God has done for each of them and accept that sacrifice, accept that forgiveness. That's what we've done. We heard the gospel, we repented and said, God, I'm a sinner, <laughs> I need forgiveness, I want Jesus to be my savior. Please forgive my sins. And the sins are forgiven, just like that. So this man accepted the master's grace and forgiveness. He accepted it. He said, okay, my, my debt is forgiven. Now, how should he act? Well, he acted the wrong way. He chose poorly. He found a, a poor guy who owed him much less, and he was vicious with him. Threw him into jail. So what's the lesson that we learn from this? We shouldn't be like that guy. We have been forgiven all of our sins. We have a great debt that has been removed by God. Just because he's a merciful God and he loves to forgive, how should we act now toward the people that we know, toward the people who have done something toward us, who have, who have said a nasty thing to us, who have done something wrong to us? We should be just as forgiving as God has been to us. As the king set the man free from an incalculable debt, it was ludicrous and wicked for that servant to refuse to set the other man free from his debt. So we have a responsibility. Like I said, God's grace is not something that we just receive and enjoy for the rest of our lives with the confidence knowing that our sins are forgiven. No, that forgiveness that we have been granted now should become a lifestyle for all of us. And like I said, we live in a world where there's hurt happening every day. You know, people talk behind our back at work. People make snide comments to us. And of course, don't forget, we have done the same thing to other people, haven't we? And we've been forgiven of those things. Now it's our turn. It's our responsibility to be a forgiving type of people. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, to a passage that we're all very familiar with. Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray. And uh, we know it as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. He's teaching them how to pray. He's teaching us how to pray. He didn't necessarily mean for this to be something we memorize and, and just repeat. It should go to the heart and we should analyze every fragment of this. But uh, let's go ahead in verse 9. He says, this then is how you should pray. We know the prayer. You know, I'll recite it the way that, that I learned it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. What's the next line? And forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we ask God for forgiveness, and he, he grants that request. He forgives us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. But Jesus said, this is the way you pray. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So sometimes we overlook that or we don't think about that, especially when we're holding a grudge against somebody, especially when somebody made a nasty remark that we didn't appreciate and we're angry and uh, we're even thinking about, you know, not talking to that person anymore or uh, getting back somehow, getting revenge somehow. You know, ongoing anger and lack of forgiveness is a very unhealthy thing. And I'm talking about for us. Now, sometimes we feel we've been hurt by somebody else and they may not even know it. You know, have you ever gone to somebody and said, I want you to know I forgive you. And they go, for what? <laughs> what did I do? And you said, well, you remember that time uh, we were in that crowd of people and you made that negative comments about uh, German people or Polish people or, you know, that really hurt me. I don't remember that. You must be, have me confused with somebody else. I never said anything like that. So the person doesn't even remember. It, it hit you like a, a ton of bricks, but the person doesn't even know what they've done. So who's carrying the weight in that situation? You are. Because you're carrying this hurt inside you, and you've got nasty thoughts about this person, and they're not even aware. They're not even concerned but it's on your shoulders. You're carrying it around with you. You know, there's a spiritual benefit for forgiveness, but there's also a, a physical, a mental, an emotional blessing when you forgive people. Mayo Clinic did some research on people forgiving people, and they find out that when you forgive somebody, it allows you to have healthier relationships with people. It brings greater spiritual and psychological well-being for you. It gives you less anxiety, stress, and hostility toward people. It lowers your blood pressure. It causes fewer symptoms of depression in life in general when you forgive somebody. And it lowers your risk of alcohol and substance abuse because you've had a weight lifted off your shoulders and off your heart because instead of being angry and resentful, you have chosen to forgive someone. Amen. You know, we can be thankful that God is a forgiving God, but you know what? That forgiving God dwells in us, doesn't he? So we're not supposed to be carrying around grudges and, and feeling anger for somebody against what they did for us uh, or against us. We're relational beings. We spend much of our life interacting with the world around us, Christian and non-Christian people. And during these social interactions, words are said, things are done that inevitably hurt others. Things they've done to us and things we've done to them. Opportunities to hurt and to be hurt are numerous from the least to the most serious, 
and their impact varies considerably from person to person and from a relationship to relationship. So interpersonal relationships satisfy the deepest human needs, but are also the source of the deepest wounds. Isn't that ironic? When an offense occurs, negative emotions like anger and resentment are common reactions, often leading to the breakdown of relationships. But our God is a God who restores relationships. Jesus Christ died on the cross to restore, to reconcile us back to the Father. So we, following in, God, in Jesus' footsteps, God dwelling in us, we need to be the same kind of people. So it's not good for us to carry these things around, negative things about other people. We are to be forgiving people. You know, grace is a gift that God never intended for us to hoard selfishly. Grace, we're talking about. Like so many of God's gifts, we were meant to share it generously. Okay? We've, we've got... Eddie, who sings for us, he's got a gift. He shares it with us. He doesn't just keep it to himself and sing in the shower. You know, every week we're so thankful for the ladies who have the gift of hospitality and ability to, to cook food for us and to bake things. They don't just keep it for themselves. They share it with others. You know, I've been given the gift of teaching and preaching. So I don't just preach to myself at home. Maybe I need to do that more, but I like to share it with you because that's what God has called me to. It's meant to be shared generously. There's no better way to use the forgiveness that we've been granted than to bestow it on others. Forgiveness is transforming, not just for the person receiving forgiveness, but also for the person who imparts it to others. And there's no more powerful way to replicate the salvation of God than to grant forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it. You know, sometimes we set rules to forgive somebody. You know, well, I'll forgive you if you come crawling to me with your tail tucked between your legs and just show a lot of repentance and a, and a lot of, uh, you know, sorrow, then maybe I'll think about forgiving you. But you know, God doesn't do that. In fact, it's amazing sometimes how little God expects of us to be forgiven of all of our sins. When you think about the story of the thief on the cross, what did he do to be told by Jesus, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise? Did he repent? I didn't hear him repent on the cross. Did he even express sorrow for his sins? He didn't say that in so many words. You know, God requires faith, belief. That's what he requires. And sometimes it's not apparent to others if somebody is uh, remorseful for what they've done, but God knows the heart. And that's all he asks of us. So we can't set rules you know, you have to do A, B, and C before I'll ever forget, forgive you. My wife told me I could, you know, use this uh, uh, example. You really come to understand this whole thing about forgiveness when you get married. You really do. Because all of a sudden, 
you know, as a kid growing up, you express sorrow for, for your, uh, to your parents for having done wrong things, telling a lie or doing this or doing that. But I'll tell you, when you get married, this is what I learned, you come in such close contact with the other person. And there are going to be things that are done, done and said so many times, especially early on in a marriage, where you have to either apologize or forgive to the other person. And for that marriage to work and for life to be happy in that home, you got to do a lot of that. And uh, I, my wife and I were talking the other day and, you know, what it was like in the early years of our marriage. And, you know, she had plenty to say about me. And I, I always told her, you know, whenever I did something wrong and you got mad at me, I would get the silent treatment, first of all. And, you know, I did the same thing. But uh, she would give me the silent treatment, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm going along my merry way. Everything's fine in this marriage and, and in, in the ho household, but all of a sudden, my wife's not talking to me. So that's the clue. That's the first clue that something's wrong. I did something stupid. I did something wrong. And a lot of times, I wouldn't even know what it was. But she wouldn't tell me. I'd say, you know what? If you just tell me what I did wrong, I'll apologize. And she would say, no. I want you to figure it out. I want you to think about your life these past few weeks and what is it that you did you think upset me? And I'll tell you, that would drive me crazy. Because ladies, you don't know what it is to be a man. And sometimes we just need to get hit in the forehead with a two by four to get the point, okay? But she wanted me to know feelings and emotions and to know her well enough that I, I should know what I did wrong. So I would name some things off. She said, no, it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. And finally, she would just have to tell me for me to realize. And she'd tell me and i go, oh, okay, okay, yeah. Now I see, yeah, okay, well, I'm sorry. So that was rough as a, as a newlywed guy and, and for the first you know, 10 years or so of, of our marriage together. And I, she's not just to blame. I was the same way too, you know, giving somebody the silent treatment and let them know that you're mad at them. Because you could be mad at somebody and they don't realize it. So you gotta do something to get their attention. You know, burn the dinner or you know, whatever the case may be. We're slow. You know, as human beings, especially the guys, we're slow, and it takes us a while to catch on. But you know what? We might think to ourselves, well, how can I forgive that person when they're either unaware of, of what they did to me, or they're obviously not repentant, you know? Well, God's mercy and forgiveness has no strings attached. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, I know he had a lot of thoughts while he was hanging up there. But did, did he think to himself, you know, I don't think these people are worthy of forgiveness. You know, here I am hanging on the cross and I'm getting spat upon. I'm getting called terrible names as I'm dying up here. You know, nobody's thanking me for what I'm doing. But nevertheless, he went through with it. And what did he say? He prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's how big God's forgiveness is. No strings attached, no requirements. So how dare we set strings attached or requirements to forgiving somebody? But nevertheless, 
That's what we've been called to do. So there are blessings that come along with forgiving people. There's spiritual blessings. There's uh, physical, emotional, psychological blessings that come along when uh, we forgive. We should be quick to forgive, just like God. God is quick to forgive. Sometimes there are stumbling blocks to forgiving other people. Why would we fail to forgive somebody else? I'd like you to consider this. When we have something against somebody, when they've done something to us, when there's a debt to owe, debt that they owe us somehow because of something they said or something that they did, that debt is power to the person who has been offended. There's power in having something to hold over someone else's head. There is power in using a person's weakness and failure against you. In moments when we want our own way, we pull out some wrong that has been done to us as kind of a relational trump card. And, you know, so many times we remember something that this other person did long ago. And we can always kind of bring that back out of history and kind of shove it in their face. So there's a certain power, a certain control we have when somebody has done something against us and it causes us to not want to forget them or forgive them rather because we hold that power. Secondly, debt, somebody that has done something against us, is also identity. Holding on to another's sin to their weakness or their, their failure makes us feel superior to them. It allows us to believe that we are more righteous and mature than they are. We get our sense of self by comparing ourselves to others. And this pattern plays into the self-righteousness that every sinner struggles with. So we, we don't want to forgive them because you see, what they did proves that we're better than they are. Maybe even we're a better Christian than they are. So that causes us to not want to forgive. Debt, thirdly, is entitlement. Because of all the other person's wrongs against us, he or she owes us. Carrying these wrongs makes us feel deserving and therefore comfortable with being self-focused and demanding. You know, you make the statement to somebody, after all I've had to put up with our relationship with you, don't I deserve dot, 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 whatever it may be. You kind of hold this over them. Entitlement. Because of what I've had to put up with you, I should have this, that, and the other. A fourth way of looking at it is debt, somebody that has done something against us, is a type of weapon. The sins and failures that another has committed against us becomes like a loaded gun that we carry around. It's very tempting to use it when we are angry and want to hurt them back by throwing in their face just how evil and immature they are. Man, that human nature is complex, isn't it? These are all reasons why people don't like to forgive other people. And finally, debt, think about this. 
When somebody's done something against us, okay, we're thinking, should I forgive them or not? No, I'm not going to forgive them. You're actually putting yourself in God's position. And, you know, the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods but the true God. So you're putting yourself in God's position. You're making yourself the judge of someone else. We are not the one who should dispense consequences for another's sin. It is not our job to make sure they feel the appropriate amount of guilt for their actions, but it is very tempting to ascend to God's throne and make ourselves the judge. So when we deal with somebody who has hurt us, somebody who has said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing, now I'm not talking about in the case of abuse when steps have to be taken, when this person has to be kept away from you or, you know, abuse against children or things like that, that's a, a separate category. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day relationship hurts that take place, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's at work, uh, whatever the case may be. When things like that happen, we have to be careful, realizing that we're just as much a sinner as that other person who hurt us, okay, and we're capable still even as a Christian, of saying or doing the wrong thing and hurting other people. So we have to be careful that we don't put ourselves above somebody else, that we look at it through God's eyes. We're all sinners on this earth. We have hurt other people. They have hurt us. And we need to keep that in mind when we choose to forgive. And, you know, this... Uh, parable that we read about the unforgiving servant, the guy should have gotten the point. You know, we have been forgiven of so much more when we look at our entire lives, sins forgiven past, present, and future. That's what God has bestowed on us, a complete forgiveness. It so overmatches anything that somebody could do to us today. We have been forgiven for so much more than what that guy said to me or what that person did to me. We have to keep that perspective in mind of how great an amount we've been forgiven compared to this comment that this guy made or maybe he cut me off in traffic. How does that compare to what God has forgiven me for? Do I want to get revengeful and go after this guy and have some road rage against him? Or should I just remember, on the, on the one hand, that's a very stupid thing to do now that people are carrying guns at will. <laughs> but also, I have to keep in mind that I've cut people off too. Not purposely. Would I want anybody coming after me with a gun? No. So I should control my anger and forgive this person. And just realize I've made mistakes too, just like that. So... Understand that there are tremendous blessings awaiting us for forgiving people. It's going to make for healthier relationships, well-being, less anxiety, stress and hostility, lower blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, lower risk of alcohol and substance abuse. And furthermore, when I forgive people, it's making me more like God. And isn't that my goal in this life? to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. 
So we need to think long and hard when we're offended. And you know, as, as we're sitting here today, we may be thinking of some long, long-term grudges that we've been holding against people. And we need to take those to the cross and just lay them at the cross. Say, God, I want to forgive this person. You know, I may never forget what they did to me, but uh, I want to forgive them. I want to be like you, Father. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. I think we're going to have another sermon uh, next week on exactly how to forgive people. Because I think the Bible teaches us a process that we can go through. Colossians 3 and verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, okay? As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, that's us. Clothe yourself with compassion. Don't get revenge. Don't seek retribution. Don't lose your temper. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, those aren't the kind of things you have when you're angry with somebody and you're trying to get revenge. And you're just holding a grudge and you're thinking, I can't believe that person did that to me. And you just rehearse it over and over and over again. And isn't that the way it is when something like that happens and somebody upsets you or insults you? You just continue to think about it. I can't believe that they said that to me. You know, what kind of a heart do they have? Do they even have a heart? He says, verse 13, bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Let's read that again. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So God doesn't just love his people, his sons and daughters. He loves the whole world in spite of what they've done. Remember the, the scripture? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So good advice from the Apostle Paul, and it just rehearses what we've been taught. We've received the greatest gift, the gift of forgiveness of all of our sins. And whatever by comparison little things that somebody does to us, we may think it's huge and big, but by comparison it's small, we should be quick to forgive. Not, not uh, requiring them to do certain things so that we can forgive. They may not even know what they've done, they themselves might be unrepentant, but nevertheless, God has called on us to forgive. So forgive others.